Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. The keys to brand success are self-definition, transparency, authenticity, and accountability. And that is by Simon Mainwarina. <laughs> and because Jeff Lubin really loves the concept of branding to be successful, I thought that would be a great quote. So before we get started, did you know that the fastest way to be successful on a journey is to not go it alone. I would love to support you and the success of your business so much. I can't even tell you. <laughs> so if you would like to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, just send a quick email to lucy at lucydumas.com and we can set up a chat. And I do have applications for free photography business of your dream strategy sessions. And if there's one available when we chat, we can see if it's a good fit. I usually do about three per month. Also, I have a brand new gift to celebrate the 10,000 downloads of the Profitable Photographer. So if you go to Lucy Dumas Coaching, you'll see a tab that says gift, and you can get your seven-step guide to attracting your ideal clients. So welcome, Jeff, and thank you so much for being on my show today. Thank you, Lucy. Glad to be here. So I've known Jeff, I don't know how many years, 30, 35, and I'm sure I met him first when he was teaching on photography. And one of the things I love about doing this show, The Profitable Photographer, is the opportunity to introduce you to people that you might not run across unless maybe you go to a PBA convention and you see somebody with the blue and yellow master craftsman ribbon with all kinds of metals and bars and things hanging almost to where they're going to choke the person wearing it. Well, that's Jeff. Jeff has been supporting photographers, teaching, serving for so, so many years. And I'm guessing that's one of the reasons he's been so successful is that he's a giver. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Jeff? Uh, yes, I think that you actually learn a lot about what you do when you have to teach it to somebody else. So I know that a few years ago, after having an amazing success, and as we mentioned, over a million dollars in portrait sales, several times you made a change can you tell us about that absolutely yeah some years back probably now i guess we're like five years ago i had reached my what i had financial goals which is separate from my professional goals and um into my 60s and i i decided that i was tired of the long commute so I didn't want to like totally give up my studio and retire. I was still loving what I was doing. I just didn't want to be out in the traffic every day. And, and I wanted some more free time to do other things. So I moved my studio closer to my home. I closed the, the studio I had in McLean, Virginia, which was my, at the time, my, 
fourth studio into my fifth studio uh, in my career. So this studio was only three miles from my home. It's in an office, a professional office park. And it's 1,800 square feet. And so I designed that so I would have a 10-minute commute to work and home and just get a lot more freedom. So really at that, the, the point of moving there was not to accumulate more money, but to just stay creatively involved in the field and get more free time. Yeah, I really love how at a time when a lot of photographers, especially you've reached your financial goals, would be like, that's it, I'm retiring. And yet you still, what did you just say? That you just wanted to stay active and involved well, I want, in the industry? Yeah. Well, one thing is the educational aspect of it. Uh, although I had done like many, many conventions and and speaking and traveling. Uh, actually, I traveled for Kodak. <laughs> Kodak, I did a 10-country tour lecture. It was great. So I loved the educational side of it, but I always felt that I could be more useful to photographers if I was still had my hands in it. Ah. And so, uh, because this is, our industry is so dynamic and it's changed um, unbelievable. I mean, I look at the changes since I started, and so it's still changing. And uh, that was kind of the challenge. Could I still stay viable to all these changes? So how did you do that? Well, at what point? I mean, it never stopped. I mean, even really from the very beginning, when I, when I first started, uh, I started like a lot of other photographers uh, doing a lot of weddings. Being that I didn't have a brand then, and I was basically an unknown Weddings were the easiest jobs to get back in those days. So um, I did weddings and portraits, but mainly weddings in the beginning. And um, that was very difficult to do for many years. And I had some back issues and that's mm. another topic. But in any case, I decided to get more involved in the, in the portrait end of things. And so I eventually decided to give up the weddings and I had to replace that income. And so that was a whole journey of developing a brand, a look, and a total different pricing structure to support a studio doing just doing portraits. And it was a small studio. I was working alone except for a, a one person that I hired to handle the telephones and appointments for me. And even that came later. So you've had years where you had a million dollars in sales as the sole photographer without a huge staff. Well, yes, actually, to tell you the truth, I was the I did all the photography myself. I worked Tuesday through Friday, no nights or weekends. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, this is uh this is uh, going way ahead. It didn't start that way. My first, my first year in my first studio out of my home, I did sixteen thousand dollars in sales, and I was working in a job at the time. So I had a wife, two kids, and a mortgage. So, I, you know, there, it, there was no way I'm going to be. I I could make support ourselves, uh, and she was she was basically home. The kids because we couldn't afford to hire somebody to do it. So it was just the one income. So I, I did that for a while, and then that caused a lot of issues with my marriage because I was never home. So we set a goal that I would do. I would either give up the business, 
the studio or quit the job. So I gave myself three years or I basically my second year in my studio, I did 75,000. The third year I did over a hundred and it was 180. And so I was doubling at that point what I was getting paid. Now that's a gross number, by the way, what I was getting paid with the government. So I decided that that was the deal we made. And I, so I walked away, <laughs> started as a full-time professional. So, um, uh, okay, I'll go ahead. And I mean, I've, this is just a long journey, so I don't want to tie up your whole hour with it. But basically, I, I stayed in that studio until I did, I did 175,000 in sales, and then I went to a better part of town. And through tremendous amounts of marketing, uh, I built it up and eventually got to where I was making really good sales. Yes. So I'm. I'm laughing a little because before we started this recording, I had said, didn't you mention that your, your uh, new smaller studio where you have help, that you've hit that million dollar mark again? And, and Jeff said, no, only 800,000. <laughs> so, so I'm sure that my listeners are anxious to know how the heck you made that happen. I know you've mentioned the brand, building a brand. So can you share what a million dollar studio for you is like, how you created your empire? Not not the how in terms of, you know, little minute details, but the overall picture of of how you have achieved amazing success in this industry. Well, I think it's just like anything, you know, it, 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 I was an overnight success. It just it took me 30 years to do it. <laughs> so basically, the deal for me really wasn't that people would come to me for a portrait. They came to me for a Jeff Lubin portrait, which is a little different. It's sort of like, did you just go buy a Ford or did you want to go buy a Mercedes? So when people would, you build the brand and then you create enough synergy where people know your name. So that that's a huge thing is where people not only know your brand, but they know your name. And that that's the big thing. A lot of photographers, they're pretty good with marketing and getting their name everywhere, but nobody really knows what they do or who they are. So they, it's hard to get a premium price for your work if you're not an identity. You don't have, you don't have a brand. You don't have something specific about you. So what is your identity, Jeff? Well, I had, I basically, in the beginning, I, I was really kind of an unknown, just like anyone else when I was starting. So I started creating a certain particular look that I had. And um, so it's kind of hard to describe, but I was a specialist with children back then. And I had created this kind of ethereal, medium key look, mm-hmm. which is, a, and you're probably familiar with that, Lucy. So at the time, uh, this was before digital you know, before computers, I had to do everything in the camera. I did vignettes in the camera and used special filters for soft focus. There was no painting or any of that. So it was hard for anybody to kind of just like walk in and emulate what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I created this look and I began to enter print competitions and I did really well. I got photographer of the year in a couple of states and I got my master's. And so that gave me tremendous confidence that my peers thought enough of my work. That gave me a lot of confidence to be able to charge what I would charge, which was 
quite a bit for my work. So depending, especially compared to what other people were charging. And I was doing a low volume. So I, I, I was never intended to do high volume work. I started too late in the business to, to set up a high volume business. And I really didn't want to do that. So the goal was to create a particular style of work with my name that people would pay a premium for. So here I had this look and I was doing well with it, but how was anybody going to know about me? So eventually through a lot of effort, I finally got my work on displays around the area and had displays in Washington DC and all over Virginia. I was able to get in high end mall gallery at Tyson's two. Then eventually I went to Pentagon city and anyway, make a long story short, at one point I had five malls wow. with, with wall displays. So, and it is a large area, you know, it's a Washington metropolitan area. So anybody who went anywhere, <laughs> you couldn't miss seeing my work or my brand. Ah. So you, you think about that, you know, I'm in the community with a couple of million people. And the, here's the thing about these kinds of displays. Well, they're open 24 hours a day. So if you buy an ad, say, in a newspaper or in a magazine, it comes up and then what happens then? It gets thrown out, right, at the end of the month. So uh, a display in a mall just stays up all the time. So every time they're walking around, they would see my work, but more importantly, they saw my name, my logo on the walls. I didn't go in the mall so specifically to have people call me up to hire me. Not that you don't get calls of business, but you get a lot of tire kickers. So basically, I was brand building, right? Mm -hmm. So by building your brand and well-known, then if I did other things where I was in doing promotions or doing charity work or gift certificates or that sort of thing, working with other uh, businesses to get business, uh, when people would be very excited to get a certificate from somebody that they had seen displayed. So that's, that's definitely brand building and image building. So once they would come in your studio and then you would work with them when they come back to look at it and you would charge a premium price, there would be a great excitement to have a portrait done by, by me, to have in their home to say to the people, yeah, that's a Jeff Lubin portrait in our home. It's not just a photograph. That's, that's the, the value of a brand and this is how you create create pricing power for your work because you're not just, it's not, you're not doing a photograph anymore. You're doing a piece of yourself that has an intrinsic value to it. So if I could summarize that, you've created an identifiable brand that has value because it's from you, just like there's a million purses in the world, but, um, I don't know. I don't know the names of purses, but there are certain purses, Louis Vuitton, that people would pay thousands of dollars more for because of the label. So do I have that right, Jeff, that, that it's, that's a big, that's a big part of it. Yes. Yes. That's a big part. There are other parts to it, but that's a big part of it. So now that it's not that easy to get in malls, maybe it still is in your world, but how would you, create the world domination <laughs> that that you've done in your career how would you do that now if you were just starting and you know maybe not living in a place like dc but 
you know, a town of 500,000 with some affluent people and upper middle class people, how would, how would you create that ooh factor, you know, and I want a portrait by her rather than a portrait. Okay. So, so let me, let me just tell you my thought process. Okay. My thought process in any of this, first of all, as I said earlier, this is a very dynamic industry. Um, back when I started, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have email names. We didn't have, everything was, was different that way. So if you wanted to connect with people, you had to actually be physically apparent in their life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what's different today is uh, it's much easier to get connected than it used to be because there are so many more different ways to do it. And because the public uses so many more different ways of, of shopping. Everybody doesn't go to malls today. Uh, a lot of malls have been closing because of people buying on the internet. And the point I want to make about this, because you asked me, what would I do today? The, the thing that I feel like was my best, my most important skill was my ability to be able to look at situations and creatively come up with ideas how to do things. And, and so there wasn't a lot, I didn't do a lot of copying of what everybody did. I did more of like, if I was the person shopping, where would I go and what would I be looking for and how would that impact me? And I know we come up with Mona and photographers all too often, this is just my own opinion, or people in a lot of businesses, they rely a lot on uh, the information that's already out there. And then they kind of just copy it. Mm -hmm. And this could go with their, at their website or how they do the work or, or their painting or whatever is in vogue at that time. They're kind of late for the party, you know, because it's, by the time that they've heard everybody else doing it, they're doing something that's already been done. And how do you stand out? I mean, it's much more difficult. So what I encourage people to do, which I've done since I've been teaching is to take what's out there and kind of, you know, use your subconscious mind, you know, use the, the depth of your, of your creativity to come up with some things of your own. Not, not, not that they all have to be basically new or ground, but just maybe how they're done mm -hmm. and how they're put out there because people have a lot more power than they give themselves credit for. And you think about it this way, even though there's like millions of people and photographers, nobody is an exact copy of somebody else. Wouldn't you agree with that? Everybody's just a little bit different. So the best, most powerful thing you have to offer is what, what's different about you than other people. And, and you miss that if you're cloning yourself. You miss that. And so you become okay, but you don't become like memorable because you're not really doing something that's memorable. It's, it's, it's not completely, you're not completely owning. And that can go for you, not just for your marketing, for your work, your presentation, everything. So given that you need to sit down and like look at who you are, what do you really do well? What is about you that's different? I mean, you may come up with something that on the surface, maybe not seem that unique, but it's, it's individualistic. So it's, if it's individual, it's a little bit different, but it's still you, 
and you can put it out there in such a way that people gravitate toward, now you've got a message that you own, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you can figure out how to put it out there. So I can't sit here and say, okay, Lucy, if I was doing this today, I would do blah, 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 because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm already got kind of my thing, what I'm doing. But I guarantee you, if I, you put me in a small town today and start me over, I will do the things that I just told you. I would sit there and I would come up with something. I would look at the market, whatever's out there. And I would create some synergy. I would create some interest in some way. And, and that's what's not being done enough by people, in my opinion. Yes. I'm sorry, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I was just like, yeah, yeah, preach it. So in essence, what I'm hearing from you is that a lot of the answers are within. That A, identifying what makes us unique so we can communicate that. Unique among anyone that's ever lived on the planet. Um, and then also that, although I think it's great to learn, take classes, you know, see what's worked for other people that we have what one of my mentors right now in the coaching field calls it an inner business expert. And she talks about getting quiet and going within and also listening to what our, I'm not sure the term you, you used, but I think it's that same part of us. That's that creative intuitive part. That's always coming up with ideas. So I, I love that because I think a lot of people are looking for the answers outside of them and that a lot of what has made you and other people who really stand out in a crowded field stand out is because you're listening to your own wisdom and inspiration. I think that's amazing. I put a little quote on my Facebook site. I have, it's called Jeff Lubin's Portrait and Business Tip of the Day. It's a Facebook site that I've had for, I guess this is my seventh year. I've got 10,000 people who are members of it. So I use that as my platform to put out things like this. And of course, it's kind of funny because I put, you may have seen this, I, just yesterday I wrote this one little quote, we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom, mm. which is basically what, I, what we've been talking about is there's just all this information out there that everybody is just you know, living in this information, yet they're not the wisdom. When I say wisdom, I mean, what do you do with the information that's unique to you or individualistic that you can come up with a message of your own? Mm -hmm. You know, wisdom is taking information and not just like every day, just accumulating more and more without really doing something unique with it. I mean, that's, think about this. You're really going to work your whole life. You're going to do what you do. You're, there's always going to be people that make more money than you. And there's always going to be people that make less than you. There'll be people that are more successful and less successful. You know, I've been very successful, but I'm not Annie Leibovitz. She's been much more successful than me. She's known by millions more people everywhere. You see what I'm saying? You're, you, you're never going to be everything. To every, so what you want to have in your life is something that you own of you while you're here, whatever it is, whatever you can get to that point. I just think that's just what we should be thinking about. Yeah. That got a little tear in my eye when you said that, that while we're here, because what I see a lot in Facebook groups that I'm in, not yours, is I need to find my style. What's my style? How do you pick a style? 
And what I see that question means for a lot of people is they're looking for an editing style, you know, dark and moody or, you know, light and airy or something that someone else has maybe even created and they want to just click on on a, a preset and then call it their style. And what I'm hearing from you is it's a much deeper and broader journey to create your style and then communicate your style. Would you agree? I, 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 get, I like to use it. Uh, uh, I love things that are like uh, related to other things because people can lock into it. I was in Hawaii and if you've ever been to Hawaii, they have these really cool art stores. You know, all the artists, great artists, you know, they all, and they do these, these seaside, beautiful paintings of, you know, the water with the, the waves, with all those, it's almost like it's sparkling on the oils. It's just amazing, beautiful. And so they they run the prices from, you know, not much to like, you know, millions of dollars. Right. So if, if, if you're looking at them and you're grading them, like, this is more artistic than this, or that's not as much. And But there's this guy named, is it Waylon, who does whales? Okay. His, his photos of paintings of whales, they're really good, but there's a lot of work that maybe you would look at and think it's a lot better. But guess what he has? He's got a brand and a name, right? So you go out to the buildings in Hawaii, you know, he does paintings on the buildings. He's got jewelry of whale tails. He's got a brand. So if you... You bought his, saw his painting, and they're three hundred thousand for an original. And you saw another one that's three hundred. You may think, "Hey, they're both about as good," but this one's got the name and the brand. Why? Because that's what he's created. That's him. You see, and so so is his work and style way better than everybody else's. Okay, so. I, you know, I'm not going to say that answer to that, but you can see where I'm coming from. Yes. And I would say he does specialize in a niche so that you begin to recognize his work. But I do remember being, maybe it was in uh, Lahaina and he had this amazing gallery that you walk in and you just feel like, oh my gosh, you know, these are worth a lot. And it's, it's everything that goes into it, the brochure, the the card, probably the smell, the music, the the decor. So that leads me to something that I wanted to ask about, because um, when I look on your website, you have a very classic style. You even, what do you call the clothing guide? Uh, dress code? Um, <laughs> that that Ooh, that really went a long way to establish your brand of what it is that you're doing. And it's clear that classic portraiture is still very viable and very profitable. Can you share about that? Okay, well, again, let's not put what I'm doing there as like, okay, this is what I got to do because this is what this guy's doing. He's making all his money. Okay. So right, right. we got to, we got to look at what we're, what, what my portraits are used for. What, what are, what am I creating? Where's my portrait that I do going to go? Is it going to go on a Facebook group? Is it going to go on an album somewhere? No, my product, if I use the word product is to create 
a portrait, an heirloom type portrait that is beautiful, has a beautiful message, also has a brand. It's going to probably wind up in somebody's living room or dining room or some room that they have spent a lot of money on furniture, rugs or whatever. They don't want to hang a portrait in that room where they've invested all this money that they get from XYZ studio and JC pennies or something. They spent $300 for it. They want something that is kind of equal to the message in there. And mm -hmm. okay. So if I'm going to put a, a portrait that goes in somebody's living room, dining room, whatever, just fits better in a classical theme for my product. Okay. Cause it's timeless. It doesn't change over the years. And so that's all the things that I do as far as the instructions or whatever the ideas to lead into that is to create a portrait that will satisfy where we're going to be, where I'm going to be suggesting that they put the portrait and justify the price because it's going to be going in with other valuable things at people's homes. So that's where I'm coming from now. Another photographer may be creating a different portrait for a different idea. Still has to have a brand, still has to have a value. And so it's kind of be up to them how, how they want to lead the client into um, their arena. So I love that, that I was kind of trying to lead the witness a little bit about that really fine classic portraiture is still very viable and you made it so much richer talking about what your individual passion is, what you love to do, what your audience would appreciate. Because perhaps in Wyoming, in a cowboy town, you might consider a little bit different style. I'm sure it would have a classic quality because I think that is an essence of, of your aesthetic. but. Are you saying if you were in a cowboy town in Wyoming, you might shift your product somewhat to reflect their homes that may have? Well, I think, I think what I'm trying to say here is if you're bringing me on here in this podcast to share information, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell people you have to copy what I'm doing to be successful. The point of my being here is to, is to teach the photographer to start using more of their own intellect and, and, and dreams of what they want to do and then find, you know, how to create the market to follow what they want to do in terms of what they're all about. Right. And so, you know, I don't want to come here and say, okay, you need to do classical portraiture. You can't eat. You won't make any money. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to say that because that's not real. That's just, you know, snobbery. So, uh, yeah, I would say if, you know, if you want to do that type, you know, if you're out in the Midwest or, or, you know, or whatever, and you still want to do portraits from home, you obviously want to see what people are doing and where they live and, and create something that's meaningful to them and their lifestyle. But, you know, you could say that about anything anywhere, you know, so I think it's more than that. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's kind of an obvious thing in terms of, of, I think the photographer needs to sit down and say, what do I really like doing? You know, it bores me to tears to do this other stuff. I don't feel like I don't want to just do that because it makes money. I want to make money. I want to be successful, but I want to do it something that every day is not only wonderful, meaningful to me, but it's unique to me. 
mm-hmm. something that I, when they come in to look at it, it's, it, I own this. It's not, you know, I can't convince them, you know, you need to get me because this looks like that, but I do good customer service or whatever. I think it's just more than that. I think it's a person's life. They have to decide what's the meaning of that life to them and what they want to do. And then, then find something that, that they can support themselves with doing. And isn't that the point of being an artist? I mean, hasn't music changed like over and over over the years, yet there's still great artists and people still like music. People don't want to buy the oldies when I was a kid anymore. If if that was the only music that was good, people would still be buying 60s music. You know, things change and you have to change. And so in each of these music changes, there's a pioneer that comes along and then everybody else kind of tries to copy until the next pioneer comes along. Yes. So our business is really no different. If you want to be unique and special and, and have a premium for what you do, you got to be something about you that's you. That's why you're different. Mm-hmm. Look for that. Find that. Make it happen. You can do that. Everybody can do that. Jeff, I remember that turning point for me when I was doing weddings. I'm sure you remember the double exposures that oh, yeah. did with the bride and groom looking down over the ceremony and, you know, we'd have these little contraptions so we could make that happen or brides and brandy snifters, we used to call them. (laughs) And I thought I had to do that to be professional and get work. And then one day that inner guide that you talked about told me, no, you don't. And, and I remember thinking like, as God is my witness, I'll never do a double exposure again. And it began to look into uh, what I loved to do, which was beautiful outdoor photography with brides and grooms and, and the family and use nature and greenery and, and San Diego, you know, the beauty of the environment, not put all that effort into making some hokey, you know, little double exposure. And sorry if somebody loves it and you, the word hokey <laughs> seems too harsh. But I, I remember, you know, probably three years into my career, getting that light bulb moment that you're talking about, about what do I want to do? What am I good at? What makes me excited? And, and then that started drawing to me my ideal client because they wanted what it was I offered. And what I was offering was different than others in my community, because at that point, you know, most wedding photographers were not doing outdoor photography in the way that I started doing it. So I just, I love that, Jeff. Thank you for that. Well, I think, you know, in the beginning, I think there's a lot to said for emulating. If you know nothing about the craft and the art and the science of of the field that you're in, you know, just like when, when a musician first learns to play the piano, they do scales, they learn all the basic stuff. And then once they've learned all the basic stuff, then the genius is applicable because they have the skills to be able to take the imaginative ideas and put them into, into practice. So in the beginning, you know, I, used to, I always like to say you want to become a master mind, first become a master mind. And that means find something you like to do, learn to do it really well, learn to do it correctly. And then you have the basics, you have the, you have the, the degree, so to speak, to go ahead and create the unique you. So I think there's a lot to be said 
for doing what you did and what I did, which is basically, you know, learn the skills, learn the scales, learn to play the notes, and then learn to write the music. Mm-hmm. Play the notes, then learn to write the music. That's a good quote. <laughs> oh, gosh, I could just uh, listen to you share on this for hours and wish we were just sitting around over dinner or lunch so we could keep chatting on this topic. Before I ask you one last question, I want to remind my listeners to stay tuned for my wrap up. And also remember that I now have a brand new hot off the presses free guide called seven steps for attracting the ideal client. And so if you go to lucydumascoaching.com, you can grab that. But is there one last something that you'd love to leave my listeners with? Hmm. One last something. I would say uh, the one thing is to not get discouraged because things don't happen right away. I, I think the, the, the number one thing you need to have is persistence. And life has it figured out that everybody can't be successful, all right? Everybody can't be a millionaire. Life already has that all figured out. So it's, it's going to reward somebody. <laughs> and usually it's going to test you really hard. And the people who don't have the persistence or the dream, they kind of throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. And that's how life makes its selection because eventually it says, you know what? This artist just won't quit. They just keep looking and trying. And because they won't quit, we're going to give it to them. And those are the ones that are going to find what they're looking for. So persistence. So I would say to you, try to stay away from actually too much. I said too much information, too much listening to everything you read and said on the internet and kind of set your own dreams and goals. And when something doesn't work, that's fantastic because you've got found one more way not to waste your time because you eventually will find some things that work and take what you learn from that and go with it. Mm. And that's my message to people out there. You know, when I used to do these home shows, which is basically where mom and dad would be on the weekend looking at the, you know, new, new hot tubs or whatever. I, I rented a booth in there and I had my work and I had this little pad out there for people to sign up for. But one of the things I wrote, I had maybe 10, 15 portraits out there. I wrote, excuse me, which of these portraits did you really like and why? What did that tell me? That told me when somebody was, you know, when you ask somebody face to face, they're all going to tell you, oh, you know, it's great. But when they, you know, you're, you're getting their opinion without them there. You're able to, to take, you know, a, a 500 names and people fill these out and you can find out you're going to quickly know what, what people like the best about what you're doing, which one, what do you think that's worth to you? Oh, it's gold. It's gold because now, now you're finding out, okay, people are really liking this particular thing I'm doing. Good. I like doing that too. Now, how can I take that and make that a style or something? How can I incorporate what I've seen? You see what I mean? That's, that's using good business marketing and individual dreams together to create. Now, you didn't read that somewhere. I just told you that I, I figured that out on my own and you can figure out your own things 
And that's what I'd like to leave you with is just persistence and don't give up. I love that, Jeff. And I just over the last decades, I'm always constantly appreciative of everything you share and give. And if people want to have a, like a, an inspiring weekend, they want to create their own like super seminar, just sit down and read through Jeff's Facebook group. What's it called again? It's uh, Jeff Lubin's business and portrait tip of the day. Yes. Uh, you can just search under Jeff Lubin. I, I have another site that I have for um, buying and selling props. I just, uh, it's just out there for, it's a giving thing. I don't make a zero on it. <laughs> I don't make a zero on my website, on my Facebook site either, by the way. I'm, I'm probably the worst at that part. I made all my money selling my work and not, not through photographers. But anyway, yeah. This kind of wisdom that I know you're enjoying and sad that this podcast is coming to an end because, you know, Jeff, I, I just, I don't know, I can't express how much I love how you get to the core and the heart of our business, of success, of creativity. And every day, his tip of the day has something that I always go, wow, thank you. So <laughs> well, it was my, my pleasure being here. Thank you. And, yes. and I hope people get a lot out of it. Yeah. So I know you also have some potential upcoming workshops and a little free gift where would they go to get on your well mailing? one of the things I, i'm going to be publishing uh, some tips that people can sign up on uh, on uh, gmail on email so they can send it to them and i can also invite them i'm planning on doing a workshop sometime next year although it's not set in stone you would go to www.portraitpassion.com and if you sign up there then you'll be on the list to be notified when the workshop will be or they're probably going to be a small one, so you want to get on there to be notified. Yeah, be the first so you can jump on it. Yeah, I'm, not going, to, I'm going to probably do it in my studio. I don't want to fit so many people in there. Oh, wow. But in any case, um, yeah, go there, and then uh, you're more than welcome to join our uh, Facebook group and jump in there and show in your ideas. Yeah, you'll love it. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And are you going to Nashville? Actually, I, I am doing... Uh, Something that I've been doing, and one of the things that I've worked my whole life for is that I, I, I like to go to the Caribbean, to St. Croix. I'm going for six weeks. I go six weeks every year. So I'm leaving uh, I'm leaving soon for, for my six-week uh, Caribbean trip. So I won't, probably won't be there this year, but I'll be at some other things. I'll let you know on the group. That's your just rewards, I think, <laughs> the Caribbean. Yeah, Life is short. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jeff. And uh, as I said, stay tuned for that wrap up of today's recording. Well, that was fun. And oh my gosh, Jeff is so full of wisdom and inspiration. I'm lucky that I've gotten to know him all these years and hang out at conventions and listen to him speak. And I uh, think you will love his Facebook group. And if he gives some classes, I would highly recommend them. So here's a little wrap up. Jeff is successful because he's built a very strong brand. He talks about how the identity raises our value and our ability to charge more. So if we create a business that is authentic to us, 
appeals to our ideal clients and we find a way to make a name for ourselves basically so that someone would want a Susie Schofield portrait rather than a portrait that raises the notoriety, the pride of ownership, and it's the value of what we do. He said that his thought process is in terms of being successful, we need to look at the situations where we live, what our client base is, what we want to do, and come up with creative ways to do what we do. He talks a lot about not copying others, but to put ourselves in the buyer's shoes. He didn't use those words exactly, but that's the best way I can do it, is think like the buyer. He talks about being memorable by being original and individualistic, to create your own message and own it. Communicate who you are, what you do well, and what makes you different. And I did a branding class about, oh, I think it was uh, late December 2019, and I go way into that concept. So he and I are on the same page with that. And then he just always, in this conversation, went back to that answers are inside of you. Don't just look for wisdom everywhere else and try to figure out what you should do. One of the things I see happen sometimes in my coaching is people will have tried and trying to combine several different teachers' ways of selling or putting a package together and you know, trying to create a hybrid. And so I love the thought that using your own wisdom, you know, get educated, but then go inside and figure things out for you. I asked him about style and I was wanting to have a conversation about how classic portraiture is still very, very viable. That's why it's called classic because it never goes out of style. And he has a dress code on his website and that communicates his brand that he does formal portraits. The dress code says, you know, dress like you're going to a party or to church or, you know, I'm just paraphrasing, but it really sets the tone. And he took it a different way and said, you need to figure out what you love and also what your community would value. So I really liked it. It was a much richer sharing because, you know, it wasn't so much how to as or if if classic portraiture is still sellable, which it is, but what do you want to do? And that's what you will sell well because you'll love what you do. And then I loved him at the very end talking about not being discouraged, being persistent. If you have a dream, keep going. Life rewards people that keep looking and trying. You know, it's not easy. And it is hard not to be discouraged sometimes, but don't give up. And there's a book, I think it might just be called Grit. And it says that people who are successful, their circumstance, their age, their ethnicity, where they live, nothing matters. What matters is that they have that persistence. They have that grit, that relentless pursuit. 
of their dreams. So get out there, pursue your dreams, and then join us next week. And don't forget to go to my website and download my free gift. Seven Step Ideal Client Attraction Guide. The most common thing I hear is people want to know how to find clients. So I I put together a guide for that and I'd love for you to have it. And I'd love to hear from you. So that's it for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.